Welcome to another episode of Birdland Tonight. You've got Cody from I Just Like the Duck and Josh Soroka from Section 336. Josh, uh, the, the Orioles lose to the Red Sox, a score of 2-6. to six. Uh, it, it was close. Uh, Harvey only went four innings. Um, a few things to talk about. Uh, what did you think of the game? Uh, this is probably Harvey's worst outing that we've seen from him. And I wonder how much of that is because of the long rain delay beforehand. We talk about him being a veteran pitcher and kind of changing the way he's handling things. And I'm wondering how much that rain delay affected him, along with some bad luck in that fourth inning. Absolutely. You know, and I, what I thought was interesting as well is uh, he, he had a nice, easy, clean first inning, uh, one, two, three. And then that second inning really gave him some problems, right. uh, really ran up his pitch count. I wanted to kind of uh, take a minute and just kind of go through today's lineup. We had uh, Cedric Mullins, uh, Austin Hayes, Trey Mancini, which seems to be our, our go-to one, two, three, uh, followed by Severino, Franco, Mountcastle. Uh, then we see Galvis back in the lineup. Always good to see Pat Valeka, who was playing first base, and Ramon Urias playing second base. I think this was the this was a different lineup uh, than we've seen lately, especially with Valeka playing, playing first and Mountcastle back on in left field, and DJ Stewart uh, left out of the lineup until he pitch hit uh, in the in the eighth inning. There, what'd you yeah. think? Yeah, um, it's what we used to call the Sunday lineup. Outside of, I'm kind of surprised to see Severino there. You would think you'd put Cisco in after uh, you know Severino's probably got a little hangover from Wednesday night, as well as half the team. So, uh, yeah, it's not the lineup you'd expect. It doesn't look like our strong – it doesn't seem like a lineup that puts our best players in their best positions. Valleca yeah. on first base seems like a force of how do I get Valleca into the game. And, and, you know, and I think that's partially due to, to Valleca having a, a pretty decent um, road trip or at least uh, that, that last series in Seattle played pretty well, uh, at least getting his average all the way up to 250 which was good to see for, uh, for somebody who's been struggling, you know, he's been up and down. He's already been sent back down to the alternate site once. Uh, and, and feels like he's playing his way back into the game now. Um, you know, there was a couple of the things that I wanted to talk about, you know, from the game. Uh, you know, like I said, it looked like it was a really rough second inning for Harvey. And I, I just got the feeling that, you know, his pitch count was going to was gonna be rung up. And so how right. long was, was Hyde really going to let him go? Uh, and it's something that we've seen from Hyde is that, you know, he seems to be quick in pulling guys. Obviously, I think, yes. you know, a few of us still thought he might have even have pulled means uh, if his pitch count got too high the other night. But, um, you know, any, any thoughts, you know, other than him just not pitching well enough to, to get deep in the game tonight? Yeah, I mean, it was just that play at first base was a tough play. They should have made it. You make that, you get out of that inning, your pitch counts a lot lower, and it's a fine outing. That's what destroyed his outing tonight. Um, I'm not concerned because he basically, the four runs that he gave up basically all came off of um, loose changeups so, that, that ended up in the middle of the plate. So that's a little bit of bad luck also. I, I felt like it was a very lazy fourth uh, by our infield. So, you know, we well, did have the two outs, you know, and then you had the, the I, was it, uh, I think it was Valeka, who again, this might have, he's only played a handful of games at first base, but I, I'm not going to let him off the hook for that. 
Uh, he he grounds a, or he fields the ball, passes it overhand uh, to Matt Harvey as opposed to underhand, which I, you know I'm not going to blame the guy for that. And Harvey just missed it. And then after that, so then Devers gets to second base on a passed ball. Uh, once Devers is on second base, though, this was the most frustrating piece is Devers actually stole third seemingly pretty easily. And I don't know if it was just um, Harvey asleep at the wheel or a bad throw by Pedro Severino, but uh, that, that was a rough one. I thought, you know what, that kind of set the tone as bad luck. Uh, I, I don't know if it was being lazy. It, it just seemed like a lazy inning, and you it's, saw the, the Red Sox capitalize. We didn't have a real infield tonight. No one that's on this team in the infield is part of the future of this team tonight. That's really weird as a rebuilding team. Um, that's we, have two first, we have two first basemen that both could be the future of this team, and neither of them were on first base tonight. <laughs> I mean, I feel like this reminds me – I know people think I like, hate Mike Elias or something. I don't hate Mike Elias. He just does these weird things where it seems like every time you think the Orioles are rolling, he does something where it's like, all right, I'm going to squash him for a moment. I, I, I feel like Elias gets a few Twitter feeds before the game and like sees some of the performances by like the Vanderbilt pitching staff and starts to salivate a little bit, thinking, hey, we could have one of these guys if I just tinker with the lineup a little bit more. We could be in line for one of those top draft picks. I, I totally, and that's what it feels like, because I felt like the Orioles pitching staff, was the, the rotation was doing awesome, and then they said, oh, you know what, let's let Wade LeBlanc start a game. <laughs> it's like, yeah, let's sabotage that. And it's like, all right, John Means just pitches a game. Sorry, but in order to get a no-hitter, you also have to have some great defense behind you. So what did they do coming out of that game? Hey, we played really good defense. Let's screw up our whole infield with a bunch of guys <laughs> out of position and see how that goes. Agreed, agreed. Um, so I, I did have in my notes here, and, and I, I kind of texted you and thought, well, I got to take it out here. Up, in, you know, up, up till midway through the game, you know, I felt like, and they kept talking about Ryan Mountcastle uh, and his, you know, somewhat of a hit streak. And then he missed it. You know, he didn't get a hit um, and then no hitter, but he was on base. So they started talking about his on base streak, which really just drives me bananas. Uh, and, and my notes were here, you know, it seems like he's in hitting a lot of bloop singles, just not a lot of power there, barely kind of getting by just enough to where he doesn't get set down. And then, and then tonight he comes out with, with really a, a quite impressive game. Um, but that actually is a lead in to my real question is how do you feel about him playing left field? I don't have a problem with it. I, again, for this season, I'm okay with it because you have Mount Castle, you've got Trey Mancini. I don't like the idea of a, what is he? 25 year old kid already being seg whatever set aside to the DH only. Right. I, I don't like that. I understand it, and if that's what you got to do, you got to do. But I think of all the guys that we've taught to play outfield, Chris Davis, Trey Mancini, other guys I'm sure come up, that don't come to mind at the moment. But not Why Pat not Valleca. Ryan Castle? It, it, my, which I, I'm fine as well. Uh, but again, if, if he's not going to be playing first base, it better be because Trey Mancini is playing first base, not because Trey Mancini is going to DH and you want to get Pat Valleca. Sometime right. at first base. Um, I, I, 
Because if you put a first baseman at first base, that play might have gotten made and the Orioles might have won. And oh. then, uh, then, we're five, then we're a 500 baseball team again. Yep. I'm telling you, every time this team gets hot, something happens. A decision gets made that seems like it kind of sabotages the team where it's not something on field. I wish so, AJ was in the, uh, in the chat tonight because AJ's always in there defending Elias and calling think, me out. I think AJ is secretly Mike Elias. Yeah, maybe so. I, I don't know. There was a bunch of talk on Twitter about Mike Elias being uh, flying to Cincinnati today. I guess he really wanted to see that Wade Miley no-hitter or something. <laughs> Good point. Um, so it, it, did, it was one of the games where it seems like we, we had a lot of contact. We, we had a lot of you know, Mount Castle had a home run. We had a lot of big hits. Hayes had a, um, you know, a, a big hit in the seventh. Uh, we got a lot of guys in scoring position, but what seems to be a trend with the Orioles is actually scoring those runners once they get into scoring position, something that we seem to, uh, you know, completely struggle with. And, and I'm just wondering how much longer can that last? And who is that more of a situation of hide? You know, having, you know, can he do a better job of arranging the lineup so that these guys are scoring? Because it's not the hits, it's the no. scoring. So maybe they need to it's, shuffle the lineup. It's still, the Orioles still are a problem. And it's not just the Orioles. This problem is across baseball. The Detroit Tigers are way worse than the Orioles at this. But the problem with the Orioles is they're all swinging, everyone's swinging for home runs. And it's part of the problem with baseball, why you see pitching so dominant is it's the all-or-nothing approach at the plate and trying to get that launch angle to get it over the fence instead of trying to get line drives over the shortstop or second baseman. And because of that, we get men on, and then everyone's swinging for the fence. Uh, I, so. I see we see a, a few comments coming in here uh, from, from one Matthew Soroka about how Trey Mancini is the best in baseball at hitting into double plays. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's uh, – I, I, I tell you what, I had that same thought early on when he was struggling early in the year. Uh, and then he kind of came back up. But, uh, yeah, he had another bad night tonight. Yeah. But let's focus on the good at the plate is Austin Hayes and uh, Ryan Mountcastle. Three hits apiece. And uh, that's the future of this team. So to see those guys getting those approach, getting the hits in, Ryan Mountcastle did get a long ball. But to see those approaches at the plate, that's the positive of today. No, no love for Freddie Galvis and his two hits? I don't care about Freddie Galvis. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter what he does. I don't care. Fun There's fact, no point in putting his name even on the jersey. Freddie Galvis has a higher batting average uh, than Jose Iglesias this year. So it does look like uh, we, we kind of lucked out. Uh, and now, I think Mike Elias is going to take all of the credit for that move. But uh, that, I, that was an interesting stat that I saw come yeah. through today. Well, why? Yeah, Matt, Matt does bring up a good point about Severino. It's really weird to have Severino batting fourth when you've got Mountcastle, Galvis, and Mancini in the lineup. Yeah. And again, Severino has been one of those guys who's, who's really up and down, right? He'll have these flashes where he'll – He'll have two hit, even a three hit game. But I, I wasn't feeling like I didn't walk away from the road trip thinking, you know what? One of the guys that really outperformed was Pedro Severino, other than calling uh, a game for John Means. Yeah, sure. 
Um, how about AJ, AJ in here? Come on, guys. The Red Sox are cheating again because Cora's back and they're playing out of their mind. There's definitely a lot of praise being given to Cora for, for the way this team is playing this year compared let's, to last year being horrible. Let, let's take it. Let's, let's kind of talk about that for a minute because, okay. you know. Have you figured the Red, out the trash cans or something? I, I, I wish you it was. I proof? wish. Because, look, the, the Red Sox were supposed to be rebuilding, right? We saw them lose their entire the, – the Killer Bees outfield, um, Bradley Jr., uh, Mookie Betts, uh, Benatendi, all gone. And, and they're just as good. Uh, they're infielders. They, they lost Chris Sale. They lost all of these guys, these perennial all-stars. You know, and I thought, okay, they're going to be at our level. They're, their fans are going to have to deal with a rebuild now. That doesn't seem to be the case. No, I predicted that they are going to be in fifth place that they're going to be a, a horrible team this year. I don't understand why they're winning games. Yeah, and I think, Their pitching's not amazing. The bullpen's not great. Like, we should have been able to get to these guys. We've got, we got more hits today than the Red Sox. We just couldn't get them in. Did, so, they have, did they have a stocked farm system that maybe we didn't know about, that they, no. these guys were just ready to reload? And, they're, and is that just a better managed team? Uh it's 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 a more expensive team. They spent more than forty five million for their players. That's so, true. I mean, there's that going, but I don't know. I still I still think they're going to fall apart. I don't see them winning the division. I don't know. I haven't done the whole strength of schedule thing. I know the Orioles had one of the toughest schedules for the right. last month. I don't. I haven't looked to see where the Red Sox project in that. I know for the Orioles schedule when you look at. Uh, the schedule for April and then May and then June, it gets easier and easier each month. So I'm interested to see how the Orioles handle that um, as the season gets deeper and their schedule gets a little easier. And then the end of the schedule gets tough again. But the middle of the season is pretty easy for the Orioles compared to the, to the two ends. So I, I haven't looked at the Red Sox and how that works out for them. Yeah, yeah. And I'm the same. I, I haven't looked. Um, you know, I, I do think it's interesting that they're the, the surprise team of the AL East. You know, you're, you weren't alone in picking them for the fifth. Um, you know, I think the Orioles surprised a lot of people last year. Um, I, and, of course, uh, the Red Sox playing so badly last year. Now they're sitting on a, a top three or top five draft pick uh, for this year. So that seems unfair uh, right. for them if they're going to continue this streak. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to talk about was in the eighth inning, we, we had a chance. We had a chance to come back. And, uh, and manager Hyde took the decision to pinch hit DJ Stewart. Um, I'm trying to remember who he pinched hit him for. It might've been for Mount Vileka. Castle. Oh, was it for Vileka? Yeah. Okay. It's for- no, it wouldn't have been for Mount Castle. He yeah, was, it was for Vileka. Okay. So how do you feel about that, that move? Bring it, is it, was it simply because you had a lefty? Uh, it's because, <laughs> Hey, AJ, how about this theory? Uh, it's because Mike Elias tried to sabotage the team with the weird defensive layout. So finally, Brandon Hyde said, screw this. We're going to try to win this game. I'm going to put DJ Stewart in for Valleca, which means I can move Stewart to the outfield for defense, <laughs> bring Mountcastle into first base, and everyone's in their normal positions. It did it, look a little bit more normal. It, I mean, it was it was normal after that move because they realigned people. But uh, no, it's because Valleca's not hitting the ball well. DJ Stewart, we've seen flashes. And DJ Stewart has been doing really good with men on base, which is what a lot of other people have not been doing. Fair. 
the last note I had was uh, was what did you think of Tyler Wells? We've 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 had a chance to see Tyler Wells, one of the Rule Five draft picks, actually the first Rule Five draft pick uh, that we had. Um, he's got a, a bit of an elevated ERA, but when he comes in, he seems to have a bit of a swagger. He seems to uh, be very competitive, and yeah. I'm wondering if he has if he has starter material. I don't. Yeah, I assume he might. Uh, because he's young, so I assume they can put innings on him to to be that starter material. Uh, That's an interesting idea to see. As the Orioles, I think preseason, we predicted like, oh, they're going to have like 15 different starters throughout the season. That's an interesting idea to let Wells start one later later in the season. I haven't thought about that. I was surprised when they brought Wells into this game because, um, you don't re- bring Rule 5 guys in where, where the game's on the line or the game matters. And I felt like all tonight, I felt like the Orioles were always in this game. So I was surprised to see him come in right after uh, Matt Harvey. Did you, were you like me? Were you figuring that it would be Adam Pletko, who seems to be the, the primary, hey, I'm in a jam, bring in Pletko. He can give us... He can get us out of the jam and at least give me another one, you know, possibly two innings. In a normal game, yes. I'm, I'm really thinking and really wondering if Wells, Sulcer, and then Matson making his major league debut tonight. Again, not something you normally do when you're in the game, when you have guys that are rested from a rest day yesterday. And I keep looking on Twitter to try to find any announcement because it sure sounds like we're setting up for a bullpen game tomorrow. And maybe maybe that's going to be Pletko. Maybe he that's, was holding that back because he's going to give Pletko the chance to start. Right, or not, if not to start, Pletko's the guy you went in there after the third inning to do a real bullpen game, you know? Right, yep, absolutely. So that's why I kind of felt like Pletko was hold, held back today, which isn't the way you set up a series at home against no. the team in first place in your division. I want, I want to get to that uh, here in a minute about how important this series is. But uh, you, you did mention one of the relievers that came out. That was Dylan Tate. Uh, and, and I'm not sure if – I, I didn't catch all of it on the broadcast. I was you know, doing some dishes. Uh, and I, I, from the way that I thought it was described was uh, Isaac Matson came out of the, out of the uh, bullpen ready to make his debut. And then instead Dylan Tate came out of the dugout. Yeah. And so he just kind of had to, you know, like the old Homer Simpson or the Grandpa Simpson meme, just turn <laughs> around and head back up. Yeah, or the, uh, or and, the Homer back into the back into the bushes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, somebody see it, you know, superimpose Isaac Matson's face on there for tomorrow. But um, but what do you think? How, how did he look? Um, he looked fine. He walked a guy, but he also, uh, I guess, he gave up a run, walked a guy. Not horrible. Nothing special. Wells, yeah. looked, Wells looked way better. I was impressed with Wells today because I don't expect anything from Wells. When, the one thing when we were talking about Wells that I didn't mention is whenever Wells pitches, I, for some reason, Wells is the guy I watch on that baseball field and say, why do we have a 12-year-old pitching? <laughs> He's so young on that field. Like Mountcastle looks young, but I can accept a young fielder and batter. But something about having a young pitcher on the mound throws me off. And I know that's, that's my old man. Speak. He, that's me he, getting older. I'm right there with you. He looks like an angry 12-year-old, but he is like six foot eight, so he's larger than both of us. 
Um, but yeah, he does have a baby face. Right. So I, I did want to talk real quick because, you know, this is game one of a four game series. Uh, we're, we, before tonight, we actually had split series with Red, the, the Red Sox. We yes. had swept them, you know, the opening uh, weekend. Uh, and then they came into Camden Yards and took three from us. Uh, yeah, and I really felt like after that successful road trip in Oakland and Seattle, that that was going to be something to build on. And yeah. that in order to do so, we have to at least split this series with the Red Sox. Do you think that that's possible? Oh, yeah, totally. And here's why. Because Brandon Hyde just announced that Zach Lothar will get the start tomorrow. Interesting. And I really uh, like Zach Lothar. I think the little bit we saw of him looked good. He's a guy that I was irrit- – if you remember back to the Wade LeBlanc game, that I, people on Arden Birdland tonight are going to think I'm obsessed with this Wade LeBlanc game. <laughs> because I threw such a fit about that just a couple of weeks ago. And I have to keep going back to that because that's, for me, that's the down moment of this year. And I remember having the discussion of it makes no sense that Zach Lothar is not starting this game. So I like that tomorrow we're seeing Zach Lothar, especially when Keegan Aiken did not do so well down here in Jacksonville, uh, taking on the Jumbo Shrimp tonight. Okay. That's some, that's some nice insider information there. So that's, that's great to hear. Now, so if that's going to be Zach Lothar tomorrow, that lines up uh, Dean Kramer for uh, for Monday. Am I getting my no Sunday, Mother's Day, and then uh, and then Jorge Lopez, I assume, is still in the rotation at this point until we hear otherwise. Um, Dean had a great outing the last time. Uh, I still feel like he hasn't really kind of earned Hyde's trust in how long he can go. Um, and again, as we learn more about Hyde manages, my best guess is that he won't let Zach Lothar, unless he's doing phenomenally yeah. well, he's not going to, he's going to have him on a very short leash tomorrow. Yes. That's why Plutko didn't pitch today because yeah, the, he, it might be a three inning start and it might still be a bullpen game with Zach Lothar starting depending that, on how he's pitching. Yep. Yep. I agree. That makes sense. But, I, but again, it's guys where it's like, these are future guys that we want to see. So to get uh, Zach Lothar, that's something we want to see. Yeah, I'm stoked. I think that's going to be very exciting. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be sure to tune in for that. I'm trying to remember who from the, uh, the Red Sox that they have lined up uh, tomorrow for us to face. Um, let's see. I can tell you real quick. Tomorrow, you got a little party going on. In your, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, in there's your, some excitement going on here in Dallas. Uh-huh. Um, of course, this is when my MLB app decides to freeze and just load a white screen. But yeah, uh, Grease Pit is saying it's Richards tomorrow. So, um, and it's you know what? Let's just celebrate that we have a one o'clock game tomorrow. After all the weird times of the past week, tomorrow we have a one o'clock. No, we don't. We have a seven o'clock game. We have a one o'clock on Sunday. Tomorrow's yeah. a seven o'clock game, and it's Richards versus Lothar. That's going to be exciting. I'm excited for Zach. You know, it's not his major league debut. He did get uh, the ninth inning uh, a while back, but uh, it, it's exciting. It's his first starting pitching debut. Uh, so yeah. I, I'm excited. I'm right there with you. And yeah, this is one of the guys that we've been waiting to see. And it'll be nice to put a guy up there to start who the Red Sox haven't seen yet. The most disappointing thing to me about tonight is that we were not in a place to put Valdez on the mound because Valdez tore up the Red Sox in that first series where they could not hit him, and they were angry. There was even an article written in Fangraphs about how uh, a week later 
the Red Sox players still cannot stop talking about Valdez and watching tape on him because he burned them so bad. So I, I absolutely I hope love we that. get to see that tomorrow. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, I've got my old man coming back into town, and, and I was telling him about you know, the, you know, the myth of Cesar Valdez and, and the dead fish. And it was when the Rangers were, uh, you know, the Orioles were here playing the Rangers, and uh, he didn't get into that game. So I'm excited uh, to watch another game and, and so that he can see him come in and play. Yeah, and you know what? It's been a few games since he's pitched, so I'd say there's a good chance he gets into tomorrow's game no matter what the score is. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's hope that it's, uh, it's for another save. That would be nice. Or just a blowout, get some extra innings because we're blowing out the Red Sox. I, I wouldn't mind that either. So, uh, But anyway, a good road trip. So I really want to see how the Orioles build on that back home. Today was not a great start of that. No, but it's not. They can pick it up in the next few games. Yeah, and you know the the weather was crappy. It was a delayed start. You know we can make as many excuses as we want for the team. Uh, it's one of four games, um, so I, I I am excited. Uh, you know I think that we have a real shot at splitting the series. You're right. The fact that they they the Red Sox have never faced um, Zach Lothar before gives us a real opportunity. And then you know I think we have a chance with the, with Dean Kramer taking them out. Yep. Uh, on Sunday at that one that afternoon start. Right, and you brought up a good point about tonight, the weather. The the fact that it was myth, it was raining on and off throughout the night, day and the, throughout the game and it was cold also affected that long ball for the Orioles that they rely on a lot. Yep. So hopefully yeah, better weather and uh actual uh, position players out playing their proper positions tomorrow and we can Get bounce back on and get a few wins put together. Yep, fingers crossed. All right, Josh. Well, hey, that's all I have for tonight. Um, I, everybody, please uh, like and review on uh, on Apple Podcast or iTunes, wherever you get your your podcast, uh, and tune in each and every night for Birdland tonight. We're here to uh, provide you guys with a post game show uh, as often as we can. As yeah, as in after every Orioles game. <laughs> which means if you would, if you're interested in hosting Birdland tonight, reach out to me because we're always interested in more hosts because it is 162 games. So that's we'll right. So on... uh, Greasy Pit Seven and uh, and AJ, uh, you guys are up next. <laughs> yeah, a AJ, hop on here and let's talk about Michael Elias' plan for this team. So all right, all right, we'll Josh. Talk to you. Thanks, Have a great Cody. night. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc